Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I am Sarah Wendell and this is part two of the bonkers romance recap of A Lady of Rook's Grave Hall by Catherine Moon. Part one with me, Melody and Jenny is over at Bonkers Romance. So hello and welcome Bonkers Romance listeners. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. We are going to start right in the middle of the book and recap to the end. So I want to let y'all know This episode is extremely not safe for work. Don't recommend listening with your kids in the car, unless you have headphones in, in which case, drive carefully. And I want to be clear, this is a recap of the second half of the book, so spoilers ahoy. I want to thank Melody and Jenny for inviting me to be on the show and for sharing the episode with me here. Hello and thank you to the Patreon community. You keep the show going and you make sure that every episode, including this one, has a transcript thanks to Garlic Knitter. If you would like to have a look at our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash smartbitches. This episode is brought to you by Picnic in Someday Valley by Jody Thomas. New York Times bestselling author Jody Thomas welcomes readers back to the picturesque Texas Valley that cradles the town of Honey Creek. Benjamin Monroe is pretty sure how his life will play out. He'll continue teaching chemistry in his small college and spend his free time biking through the valley. Eventually, he'll retire to putter around in his garden. His colleague, Virginia Clark, is not one for routines. She's chatty and spontaneous, and before Benjamin realizes what has happened, she's talked him into collaborating on a research project. Soon enough, their project, The Chemistry of Mating, is gaining notoriety. Friends, neighbors, the whole town has become involved. But no matter what the data determines, one conclusion seems inescapable. Love follows its own rules. With the blend of romance and women's fiction, Picnic in Someday Valley is perfect for book clubs. Picnic in Someday Valley by Jody Thomas is available now wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Fast Growing Trees. It is spring everywhere here, and I am so excited to see the hydrangeas we bought last year from Fast Growing Trees coming back. Now we have a frost-resistant gardenia, and I have never had one of those. I'm really excited about it because I know it's going to do okay where I live. When it comes to caring for your plants, know-how matters. FastGrowingTrees.com's experts curate thousands of plant varieties that thrive in one specific climate, yours, and will meet your location and your needs. There's no waiting in line. There's no messy cars. Your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Plus, their growing and care advice is available 24-7. Whether you're looking for privacy, shade, color, fragrance, adding some natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has the perfect plants and the expertise to help you find them. Go to FastGrowingTrees.com slash Sarah right now and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Sarah, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Sarah. This episode is brought to you by stamps.com. And yep, I still feel like a real podcaster when I say that. Even though I am a small business owner who works mainly on the internet, I still have things to mail for my business. I have giveaways to run. I have prizes to ship. I got books to mail. And as much as I like the people who work at my local post office without fail, when I go, it's always crowded. With Stamps.com, I skip the trip and the time in line and focus on other things. Stamps.com saves me time, money, and stress. Stamps.com gives me access to all the post office and UPS shipping services I need right from my computer. And I get discounts I don't find anywhere else, like 40% off of post office rates and 76% off UPS. 
All I need is a computer and a standard printer. No special equipment needed. Stop overpaying for shipping with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code Sarah for a special offer that includes a four-week free trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Sarah. This episode is brought to you in part by Switchcraft, my new favorite game. Switchcraft is a brand new story-driven take on Match 3 games. You know the games where you match three gems or sparkly things? As you play Switchcraft, you unlock new chapters of a gorgeously drawn graphic novel. In Switchcraft, you play as Bailey, a witch at Pendle Hill, the world's top academy of witchcraft. Their roommate has gone missing, and each choice you make brings you further into the mystery. The best part? The cast is incredibly inclusive, with characters who are non-binary, disabled, and from a variety of cultural backgrounds. And did I mention the art is gorgeous? I cannot tell you how pretty it is. The choices you make determine the outcome of the story, and there are romance options. Plus, Bailey has a cat that you help care for. The cat's name is Magnus. I love this game mostly because of the art, so give it a try. Download Switchcraft for free and unlock the magical mystery. Are you ready for the incredible second half of A Lady of Rooksgrave Hall? It's a lot. It's wonderful. It's wholesome monster erotica, which I didn't think was a thing, but is totally a thing, and I adore it. On with the podcast with me, Melody, and Jenny. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe there's more. You would think that that would be like the whole book. Yeah, you think, oh, okay, there's there's public fucking and she's seen him and that is the climax of that particular piece of tension. Oh no, there's no. more. No. There's more. Not I at all. do not know how we can possibly top that or where oh. we can go from here, but I'm ready. Yeah, get ready. Where we, When we last left you, yes, was so where we left off. We were at the theater. We were at the theater. Our favorite type of theater. Yes, the fuckathon theater. She has this climactic experience with uh, Mr. Mr. Tanner. Tanner. Who says, you come on this cock like the good little girl you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man, Mr. Mm-hmm. Tanner's like that. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yep. And as she's coming, she can see like a weird dude who's like acting weird. Everybody else is like writhing out in the audience. They're and, all you know, fucking too. They're just like, all right, that's it. Yeah. We got to fuck now. <laughs> yeah. We have our limits. We have. But there's those. this guy who's like facial features seem to like change and waver in the, the, the air. And she's really weird about it. And she gets a terrible feeling. And so now like. Like Sarah said, with the tantalizing nightmares, it's all about the the relationship between fear and arousal. Now she's like actually coming and yet feeling this fear that's completely outside of her sexual experience. It's hmm. a really interesting twist that Catherine Moon just snuck in there. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, they immediately take her out to the carriage and August is like, I saw him too. Oh my gosh. And so in the carriage, they try to explain to me, Melody, who this person is, and it doesn't super work. They say that his name is Bersha. Yeah. And apparently he was the the king king of Gomorrah, as in Sodom and and, yeah. Yeah. And so back in the back in the B.C. times with Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew what was going to happen. And so he somehow like made his connections and made it so he either like didn't die or like maybe did die and was resurrected. Nobody really knows because he's clouded in such mystery. The crux of the matter is that he runs clubs that are sort of similar to 
Rook's grave, but no one there is consenting. It's all rape. Oh. Like, and he says- It's all rape. It's explicitly, he, you are hedonistic and you find joy in sex. He wants nothing but fear and he wants to destroy the joy you find in sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that. No, no we hate big, him. We're not big fans. He's, I mean, oh. I mean, what better establishment of a villain though? Like you have all of this <laughs> yeah. joy in sex. This person wants you to have none of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. As they're going home, they're like, we're going to have to noodle on this for a while. Yeah, this is a problem. And we'll have to He's a big bad. Tell, big, big, big. Yeah, he's a big bad. bad, bad, bad. And nobody knows how to fight him or kill him yep. and stuff. But then the next, then they go to bed and the next chapter is a day of absolutely nothing. And it made me so happy because it's like all of my dreams come true, first of all, in this scene. But they wake up and she wakes Jonathan by going down on him. Yep. And up until this point, like Mr. Tanner has not really let Jonathan out to play because he Mm. has wanted her for himself, basically. And so there there was also in that like group negotiations chapter when Mr. Tanner was like, okay, well, or like I will have to let Jonathan um, get some time on the schedule, I guess. I can do that. (laughs) So she wakes him up. By going down on him. And then he brings her up and he's like, I'm not wasting any of my time with you. And she's like, it's not a waste. Sucking cock rules. And he's like, not as much as fucking you. So they have sex. And then as they're chatting, they he talks a little bit about his um, friendship with August. Yeah. There's a really good line here that I don't want to miss. Oh, yes. So he's he's boning her. And she says, this was nice. No, (laughs) nice is when a lad had the sense to hunt for your clit a little to make it feel decent for you, too, as you went about his business getting off. This was (laughs) lovely. Oh, Oh. because Jonathan is in to her having pleasure because she Uh woke up her pleasuring him. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to draw your pleasure, too. So, again, it's that, oh, wait, you really want me to feel good. This is oh, I could get used to this. Yeah, mm. it's great. So then we learn that he and August are like best friends. Yeah. And they have been for a little while. That's how August found Rook's grave. And and August up until this point, like had sort of had lovers, but he'd never had a lover that he could feed on. And so that's mm. very new for him. So then they start hatching this plan and they're like, what do you think you would think about like me waking him up the same way? You know, like he, he's in his vampire death sleep, but like, I bet he would like waking up like hard and being ridden. And wait, this is, she's going to do this. Yeah. Esther's yeah. like, well, okay. wait, wait, what happens if I wake up August with the, uh, with, you know, magic boner? Oh. What happens if yeah. I wake up a vampire who's come, who's completely dead to the world at this moment? Cause it's the daytime. Uh-huh. Yeah. Challenge and so Jonathan's accepted. like, funny you said that he actually left his little hidey hole unlocked because i did tell him you know there might be the possibility of something like that of just us visiting you know so they go into the room and and she's like how do i get him hard and he goes how would you normally get him hard she's like okay all right (laughs) she asks him like have you and august and he's like, you know, sometimes we help each other out as friends. Because it's Jonathan fine. knows where everything is in August's chamber. And there's a, a vial mm. of oil for her to use conveniently mm-hmm. there. And she's like, wait, wait a minute here. Yeah. Mm. How do you know this? Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. It's great. So then she actually does, like, he gets fully erect while in his vampire death sleep. Yeah. 
and she mounts him. Yep. And then Jonathan is back there being like, how does he feel? And so they have this whole interplay together. And then one of the things he warned her about is that August will wake up hungry and yeah. he will immediately bite. And so he says, the only thing you need to do is to stay still don't so that you don't tear anything. Yeah. Don't she's pull like, away. I can totally do that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And so he does. He leaps up. She's still riding him and he just like grabs onto her throat and she's like, it hurts, but it hurts so good. August turns her over and they're fucking. <laughs> and then um, Jonathan comes over and he like coats his finger in oil and like starts playing with August August asshole. And yes, he does. And yes. Esther hot. looks at at Jonathan over August's shoulder and says, "Fuck him! I want the both of you pinning me down." <gasps> it's great. And so then she sees the difference that Jonathan. Uh, the difference with which he fucks both of them because he was really like gentle with her and la la la. And with August, he's just like, oh, like, God, it's happening. And it's very, yes, Jonathan very hot. down into our tangled union. <sighs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it's, ooh. I am delighted. <laughs> and let I me. I need some Barbie dolls to but i am delighted oh my god let, let and let's review the title of this chapter is a day of absolutely nothing false catherine <laughs> <laughs> this was this was a chapter of technicolor goodness is what it was <laughs> so now they go back to rook's grave this chapter is called a study of hierarchy yeah mm. yeah so we're going to yeah. start figuring out the hierarchy of all of these monsters because at the mm -hmm. intersection of reverse harem and monster fucking, there is this book, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So they get there and a couple of other club owners who we don't actually need to know anything about are there. The only point is that the club owners are like trying to figure out what the fuck because girls are disappearing from other clubs too. Yeah. And right. it's super not okay. So this Bersha person is big batting all over the place and it's, it's mm -hmm. circling That's around so them and it's a pre present danger. Yeah. And so they've gone back to Rook's Grave, but Rook's Grave isn't any safer than it was before they left. No. Correct. And the other okay. houses that serve other fey groups are also having problems and they're trying to figure out a way to work together to protect each other. Mm -hmm. But Booker and Ezra are there. And so she is over the moon. She's like, <laughs> Booker! And, and grabs her, grabs him around the neck. And then Ezra comes over and like gets her. And it's ugh, their reunion is so sweet. Mm -hmm. But then they like put her in a bath and she starts talking to August about this hierarchy. Yeah. And he's like, well, like the Sphinx is never going to be topped. Right. Cause he's like thousands mm -hmm. of years old. And then I think it's August and then Mr. T or maybe Mr. Tanner's over. August. It doesn't matter. Then Booker and Ezra. Yeah, essentially. It's really interesting to her because she's just like, I, I like you all equally, yeah. you know, like there's no hierarchy here, but we do hear about hierarchies with other girls and their clients. Yeah. Hmm. Later on, there'll be like a girl who's like, oh, this one wants to like marry me and take me away. And then another girl leans over and is like, but he's not her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> then Ezra has a surprise. While she's been What's gone, Ezra, Ezra has been working with Magda, Magdalena, and he has, with her help, 
figured out a way to temporarily break the curse so that she can see him. And so he appears oh. to her and she gets to see what he looks like, but only when he's concentrating. So it's only mm-hmm. a few moments where she can recognize, but she's never seen him before. So this is total stranger. And she's like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, it's me. Well, and he wakes her up being on top of yeah. her. He's like, hello. And he's like, like talking what? in another voice and accent or whatever. Yeah. And so she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, just kidding, Pusheen. Because he calls her Pusheen. Just gets me. It's me. And this is my beautiful face and my hulking body. And, and my she's like, giant cock. Yep. Oh, yeah. She's like, I am so smart, even when you're invisible. Like, you're hot yeah. when I can see you. Lots of plot, lots of fucking. From now till the end, get ready. Yeah. Buckle up. Okay. Amen. Oh, and so now she has a conversation with Amen where she's like, I really need you to get on board and be serious about accepting them, but not just accepting them, but like learning from the other men and like hmm. really sharing and getting on board with this because. I want you to be part of our little family. Basically, But you're sort of, like, you're keeping yourself apart. Here's a ladder. Get over yourself now. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, basically. Look, bro, you got to take it down a notch. We're all going to work together. You can be part of that. But here's the deal. You cannot maintain this hierarchy with your treatment of the others. Right. Exactly. You could be in on the orgy times, and you're missing the orgy times, and you might like It's a nice time. Exactly. It's, It's a great time. So- they like have dinner as a group and that's very cute. And he and Ezra start like bickering, which is very cute. <laughs> and then um, Booker wakes her up by going down on her the next morning. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh my gosh, Booker, fuck me, fuck me. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, what are you talking about? Of course you can. I'm saying you can right now. And he says, but August says I can't. August said to wait. And she's like, what? what? Like, huh? In what world does August tell you, like, who is August? And Booker says, I like him. Oh, <laughs> so I should do as much as I want with my mouth and fingers, but wait until tonight. <gasps> tonight, because there they're scheming. Special treat. Oh, yeah. She's never been to a Rook's Grave party, Jenny. Oh, yeah. Neither have talked- I. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So she talked to August a little while ago about like doing the party scene and he's like, oh yeah, we can definitely make that happen. So they go downstairs, they have like dinner and then they go into like the group room where the parties happen. There's a subplot with another one of the um, women who work there who like doesn't like it, like, but she's there because she like, she's making the choice to be there still, but she doesn't like her monsters. She's not into it. Very uh, predatory. And um, she just, she's in it for the money. She wants them to buy yeah. her things. She wants, and she wants to get enough money to get out. This is not, yeah. she, she considers herself above all of the work that she's doing and they are a means to an end. Right. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's suboptimal. So she's like mm. giving him like a really lame blowjob, and it's sad. And, and so poor, Poor Esther is over there and Ezra is like going down on her like crazy as he's invisible. So everybody's getting a view of just like wet cunt. Yes. And then I've heard female arousal described as a wide on. And that is what is happening here. She has a wide on on. in front of the whole room. Yeah, it's a wide on. Like because he's invisible and his whole head and shoulders are there. So she's just like, woo. Yeah. Upsy daisy. Oh, it's great. Yep. It's great. And so then they're like, all right, it's time for the main event. But oh, and the reason that they switch, they switch it up is because um she's basically like during the whole time she's 
getting gone down upon. She's looking over at this guy and being like, oh my gosh, he deserves so much better. Like he Aww. should be with a lady who really appreciates him and likes him for him. Yep. And they're like, we, do we need to make you come to get you to not be distracted anymore? And she's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and now Booker goes, he walks in and he lays down on the ground and she's like, it's Booker time. Oh, yeah. Has she fucked Booker before? Mm-hmm. Oh. He's given her the morning dressing Just, fingers and yeah. he's gone down on her and mm-hmm. she's, you know, rubbed up against him. But no, nope, mm-hmm. there has been no Booker time. And now it's Booker time. <sighs> not only is it Booker time, Jenny. OK. And not only is it like sort of being directed by August, but August wants to play jealousy games. And so as she's writing Booker, he's like, oh, he's the best you've ever had, isn't he? And she's like, he's the best. Oh, my God. Like, he's like, oh, you would trade all of us for just like one more fuck with him, wouldn't you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I would. I would. And Booker, meanwhile, I is love down this there. for Booker. This sort of like cool group affirmation of Booker's like personhood and prowess was so gorgeous to see. Like I didn't I don't know, know I wanted it, and I love it. I, that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. Surprise! Yeah, she's riding Booker, and August gets behind her and starts fingering oh, yeah. her asshole. And he says, "Does yeah. it hurt?" And she says, "No, Booker made me take three this morning." <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, and August likes that. But they have like pillow talk afterwards. They go up to the room and she's like, you do know that I wouldn't trade any of you for any of the other ones. And he's like, no, I absolutely know that. That's why it's hot sex talk. Right. Like it wouldn't be hot if it was true. But I I know that you like us equally. And I really like that. It's so sweet. And he's, and did any of the sad monsters recognize that like this is better and different? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they there's like, not enough of her to go around. There's not enough of her to go around. But they kind of realize, oh, wait, I could have more than just this being resentfully serviced by someone. I volunteer mm-hmm. as tribute. Right? <laughs> like One of the things Truly. I thought of when I was reading this is that I know monster fucking books, for lack of a better term, are extremely popular. And the mm-hmm. idea in this book is that there's this, this idea that there aren't very many women who are willing to fuck monsters. And I'm like, but given the popularity of monster fucking books in the real world, I bet there'd be a lot of women who would be completely down to fuck yeah. monsters. Like this yeah. isn't actually a rare commodity anymore. Thanks Come to out of the genre. woodwork, right. monsters. Right, exactly. You let us know. And, and the thing about <laughs> Esther is that she recognizes August, August's game. Like, oh, sh- you like to be jealous. You like to play with jealousy. And he's like, well, yes, I like the fire of possessiveness, but only because I know that I am safe with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's this idea where they're beginning to articulate that their relationships are unique and safe and that they can explore being who they really are and what they really like because Mm -hmm. they are safe with each other because they trust each other, which is which is highlighted by the other relationships in the Rooksgrave Manor House, which are not that. This book, man. There's a lot. Truly. There's a lot. And it's, it's, it's not just a lot of fucking. I mean, there's a lot of fucking, but there's a there's lot, lot more going on. There's, there's mm-hmm. a lot. So then she wakes up the next morning and some bad shit goes down. Yeah. Booker is standing over her and she's like, oh, hey, it's Booker. And then he starts talking and she realizes it is not Booker. Someone has uh, taken yeah. possession of Booker and he's <sighs> grinning at her in a scary way. And he's like oh, no. pinning her down. And 
this the this voice is like, oh yes, golems are tools. They're empty vessels. I can take over. Um, and she looks oh, up and she goes, it. oh, Bersha. And he says, oh, uh-huh. you're not stupid. You're exceptional, but you're not stupid. And I should find you as delightful. And I think I'd rather kill you than keep you. And what she does is she reaches up to Booker and convinces Booker's presence in his body to fight back against this possession and to, yeah. f- to throw him out. And eventually that happens. Booker manages to come back into himself and push out this invasion. And Magda realizes, oh, okay, we have a problem. Booker is now more attached to Esther than he is to Magda, who made him. And so there is a ceremony where they are all standing in a circle. And Magda goes through the magical process of untethering Booker to her and tethering Booker to Esther instead. Oh, because otherwise he's vulnerable. And and she really is she not entirely. Yeah, she's really not comfortable with the idea that she is responsible for him because this tethering is a bind between them. But there's still a power di- di- dynamic there because that binding is power over him. And she right. really struggles with it, but then she realizes that if she doesn't do it, he is not safe, and neither is hmm. neither are they. But he is in danger, and and he talks to her, and he's just like, because she's like Booker, what do you want to do? What like, if we did it with somebody else? What if you, you tethered to Augusta and Booker's like, no, I no. only want you. So there's that layering of safety again. Yeah. I'm yours anyway. It has to like, be. Like, of course, I want to be tethered to you. I have to be tethered to you. My heart is tethered to you anyway. Yes. And then, oh, he, then she says, but what if fucker. I accidentally use my will against you when we're doing things and I make you do something that you don't want to do? And he says, it would be my pleasure. Oh. Yeah. And and then Magda jumps in and she's like, honestly, you really have to focus to control a golem. And listen, when you're fucking, yeah. you're not focused. So it's really not a problem. You don't mm, worry about. So it's yeah, like there's not no way she needs to worry about. No it's way like Ezra can't that. maintain visibility while he's boning because he is distracted and can't concentrate. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, OK, then. All right, I accept. And they go yeah. through what is essentially a binding ceremony between them. The all of them are there for the for the ceremony, and Booker becomes tethered to Esther. And it's it's so beautiful. Lovely. It. It's it so is beautiful. Lovely. Then it's time for lots and lots of sex because they are going to go to Amon's house to keep her safe. There's one point where they're all sitting there and he's like, I would like to plan a dinner. And they're like, oh, wow. Trying to steal our girl from underneath us, huh? Like ribbing him. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. I, you misunderstand. I want a dinner for the whole group. And they're like, oh, Amen. Like all of us, all, nobody would begrudge you a night with her. Like we all, we were just have teasing time you, bro. It's cool. And he's like, no, yeah, all of you. And he's like, no, Esther wants it this way. This is the way it, this is the way I want it too, yep. as a result. Oh, so they have this dinner at Eamon's house. And then Eamon says, Hey girl, do you want to be at Rook's grave forever? Because I think that it might be cool to have just like a, a relationship, all six of us. Yeah. Or, and then she goes, well, seven, Mr. Tanner's here too. And it's very <laughs> cute. Basically, they kind of propose group marriage to her. And by the end of the conversation, she says yes. So now I it's time. love it. Yeah. And um, she notices, because she's like, Booker, what do you think? Would you like this kind of 
you know, situation where we like travel and we do other stuff. And she realizes that Booker has been like riveted by everything he sees because he's never been away from Rook's grave before. And so he looks at her and he's like, I would very much like to travel. Yep. Yes, absolutely. But and so first, they're going to be a family, but then there's more sex. They have to celebrate. They have to celebrate. So Ezra, do the swords cross? Oh, I need some swords crossing. <laughs> so Ezra teases her right to the edge and says, you may not come. I am going to get you so close. And the next mm-hmm. person that walks in the room, I'm going to be invisible. I'm going to be watching. The next person that walks in the room, you have to convince them to fuck you. And she's like, what if it's one of the servants? He says, I don't care. Yeah, I, what if it's one of the other girls? I don't hot. care. So you have to do what I say. So she gets her right to the edge and she is just, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? And in walks Booker. Oh, and I'm sorry. Before in walks Booker, um, she is up against the wall and she's watching herself in a mirror. Yes. Mirror time. Just Yeah. Mirror time. It's mirror time. Invisible Ezra is dicking her down against the wall. And mm-hmm. all she can see is herself splayed out getting fucked. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't know I needed this. I, and it's so good. And it How could have, have been. I never it could have been just a book about invisible fucking. But that's just an it's yeah. just one of many kinds of fucking. Like this is a real yeah. oof, it's a very, very wow. fulsome selection here. So then Booker walks in and she's like, oh my God, yes, Booker, fuck me right now. And they all walk in and she's like, you planned this. And she's, they're like, oh, of course we did. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> so then there's a it's dinner so party. At, uh, at, oh, yeah. At, then the dinner party happens. Amon's house. And Amon's house mm-hmm. is just completely opulent off the chain. Like, of course they're all, they're all making like, wait, he's Egyptian and he really likes Grecian architecture. Like, isn't this a little bit much? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's him, whatever. And he comes in. And he is just like, welcome to all of you and welcome to my star. And this is our home now. He has oh. made this incredibly giant safe home and oh. they have an amazing dinner and then they have lots and lots of sex. Yes, celebration sex. And Ammon oh. says, I don't want to be your cage, little star. I'd like to be your home. So this is like oh. the establishment of safe safety and, <sighs> and home and family, but also whole lot of fucking, lot of fucking it's about so that. so dreamy, there Jenny. Be so much like... Just gooey wholesomeness. I know but it's also... such gooey wholesome fucking. <sighs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's so it's so beautiful. Then Amon says to Ezra, Mister McKenna, you won't mind allowing us a good view of our star as you fill her up. So they all watch her be <sighs> fucked by the invisible Ezra. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. At Eamon's request. At Eamon's request. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. So now they're all into watching and doing and trading places. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's delightful. And one of the things that, have you ever read a romance and you're like, okay, sex scene's a little boring. I get it. Boom, get it, boom, get it, boom. Okay, moving on. Can we go back to the plot? Yeah. The plot yeah, is yeah. the sex. The sex is the plot. And yeah. it's <sighs> never boring. It's never, never boring. How? With not a single time fucking, yes how does it because as you you let off at the very beginning with there's only so many holes yep and i know like, you can only stuff them so many ways it's not and like yet. we're going for nostril sex all of a sudden no it's <laughs> what we're talking about <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so then the next morning is about to happen and august is like i will see you 
tonight. Yeah. I'm he, like, I've got to go he to goes my daytime sleep. Back to Rookgrave Manor because that is the safe place for him to have his day rest. And Amon's like, oh, I, I do need to make a safe place for him here. I will do that. But he, but August knows that he is safer in the subterranean vampire resting areas that are there, not at Amon's house. So he goes back. And it's really interesting because um, he he can see that like Booker's like you're sad, and she's like I mean no I'm not I I miss him but I but it's not necessarily like I I miss us just being a unit I miss us being together when one is missing she feels that absence like she wants mm, everyone yeah she there. feels bereft yeah yeah so. Then they're going back to Rook's grave. All is a group in the carriage, and Amon sits uh, up um, in the carriage. Amon's like something, oh no, is wrong, and he springs out of the carriage. His wings erupt, and he flies up into the sky. And this is not the first what? time that he's had a premonition. He also was able to during the sun. Apparently, something with the sphinxes in the sun. Whatever the sun touches, they can see. So if it's mm-hmm. night, or if it's dark, or if it's underground, he doesn't have access. But anything that happens under the sun, he can have access to. So he knew Mary, the other girl who was not as kind and was very mercenary about it. He knew her backstory by looking at her. And he mm-hmm. now knows something is very wrong. And he runs out of the ca- carriage, rip, rips his wings off, and flies in the middle of the day. And they're all like, is, is he going to get is he going to get caught? Like, is somebody going to see yeah. this giant sphinx dude just flying through the air? And they're like, he must have magic to hide himself because that was a lot for the English countryside. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Well, and not to like, mention what? the fact that he's not like histrionic. Like there, there is obviously shit mm. going down if that is how he is acting. Yeah. Sphinxes and there are is prophetic. because Rook's, gave, Rook's Grave Manor is burning the hell down. No. Yes. Three Efreets came in. And they put their fires everywhere. They they got like permission from one of the other uh, workers, and they forged uh, their way in and they set fire to the whole house while oh, while no. fucking was going on. And so they're all trying to get the girls out and the monsters yeah. out. But it is daylight. It is not safe. So they have it's to not safe for the vampires particularly. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so then um Booker and Ezra go running into the fire. And she tries to go too, but Mr. Tanner grabs her and he's like, You need to chill the F out. Right. Like, because we, we can't even bring August out because would kill him. he would burn yeah. up. So if the so, fire doesn't kill him, bringing him out in the daylight will, and you are human, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Well. Damn it. She's and she's like, so is Ezra. And like, like Magda says, Booker won't be hurt because he's made of marble. And she's like, I just don't know that that's true. And so she uses her tether to pull him out. Yeah. And Booker is like holding one of the girls who did. She ends up dying. They lose Mm. one person in the fire. And it's Cassie, the poor sweetheart, who I think was the werewolf fucker at the beginning. I know she was like formative to Esther's experience. And Magdalena <laughs> says, all right, we have all of these monsters. We need to get everyone somewhere safe. We need to hide them. And Amon says, my home is open to all of you. And he has yeah. gone from being like, everybody get the fuck out of my house to all of these monsters and people I don't know you are welcome in my home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love so, that growth. I know. I know. So, much. so they all go back to his house and then the men like spend most of the days back at Rooksgrave trying to excavate and, and find uh, August and Ezra, because they did not come out at all. No, no. Yeah. So she is freaking worried. out. So they're partially putting out the the smoldering house, and they're partially trying to find 
August, which is, of course, he's down underground. So all of the rubble has fallen down on top of where they would mm. get to him. They're, they're met by one of Amon's sister creatures. Her name is Kepri. And she is another sphinx. And she has come to protect them. And she comes to Magdalena and she says, I am here to protect you and your community and your people if you will accept me. And Magdalena's like, yes, I graciously accept. I very much want them to be a couple later. They are, right? Yeah. They have to be. There's a lot of romantic sexual tension there between the Sphinx and yeah. Magdalena. It's pretty great. Lots of it. Oh, lots yeah. of it. Lots of I'm, it. I'm here for the sequel. So mm-hmm. they go back to the house and they figure out a way where it's mostly safe enough for her to go in. And she's being escorted. And they go into the library. Magdalena says, if you can save any of my work, all of my papers, all of my spells, all of my records, if you can save anything, go there and see what you can find. She's like, all right, I'm on it. She goes to the library and she meets this creature with enormous green guy with big horns and he's guarding the door. And she's like, Uh who are you? Who are you? And he says, I'm, you know, I'm one of one of this person's creatures. And he says, but I'm not her favorite. Yeah. And she says, it's you, one des- of those. you deserve someone who, who, is, who is your favorite, who thinks you are her favorite. You deserve to yeah, be someone's favorite. Yeah, and he's like, stop flirting. You've got a lot on your plate. And she's like, I know. <laughs> I know, but it's I'm going to. And then she it? keeps flirting with him. It's great. So he it's agrees really to help her. He's guarding. So he escorts her through. And suddenly she hears somebody calling her name. And she Esther. thinks it's Augusta. Esther. 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 And she's like, what? Huh? So the the green guy with horns, his name is Asterion. She runs away from him and he's like, what the fuck? Where are you going? And she books it through these corridors, following this voice, being called, being called. And she gets- and all of her men have seen this happen. And yeah. so they're coming after her, too. Yeah. And Uh-oh. she outruns them and she disappears. And there in a room is August. He is, his hands are staked to the roots of a tree. Yeah, he is staked to the wall. I don't like it. He's covered with blood. He is very weak. He's emaciated. He's very weak. And there is Bersha. And he is sitting there having tortured August. And he is sitting in front of a plate that holds the heart of another vampire. Mm -hmm. And apparently the way he stays immortal is to eat the organs of dead vampires. So he finds them, he kills them, and he eats their organs. I don't even want to know what that does to your blood pressure. That sounds terrible. No way. This motherfucker's got to die. Yes. And she, the first thing she's trying to do is she is trying to memorize his features. Because one of the ways that he gets uh, gets away with so much is that he keeps making people forget what he looks like. And she's like, I'm going to catalog his features. I'm going to make him pay attention. And she's like, why do you have a gust? pinned and staked to a tree and he says leverage we can sit here and i will not kill you and i will not kill him but you must realize that neither of you are leaving this room alive i'm going to kill him you're going to watch and i'm going to kill you and i'm going to rape you first and i'm going to make you hate the thing that you love Mm -hmm. and (laughs) this is my favorite part of esther this is the moment i love her the most same she's like you want to fuck me he goes no rape and she gasped but not at the threat. Oh, how clever. A terrible old man threatening to rape me. I would have rolled my eyes at Bersha if it weren't for the soft uh-huh. brush of calloused fingers at the back of my neck. It's Ezra. Ezra's here. He's been hiding <gasps> yeah. in the room the whole time and Bersha cannot see him. And so she acts like she's afraid, but then she starts playing along because she knows Ezra's literally at her back. So she starts playing up to Bersha like, well, how do you know I won't like it? 
How do you know that yeah. I wouldn't enjoy it? Maybe I want to come with you. Maybe I would like oh, to. I love it so Maybe much. I would. And she's like, use me at one of your clubs. Like, I'm sure that all of your patrons would would love a girl like me. You know, and my men uh, p- p- chase me and try to make me afraid. And I love every minute. And he goes, yes, you chose that. And she's like, I make lots of choices. And I think mm-hmm. you're afraid of me. And Bursha mm-hmm. does not like being called on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think you're afraid you can't break me. You like to make people suffer. What if you can't hurt me more than I would enjoy? Mm-hmm. Get it. Wow. It's that so good. And, and powerful he, shit. Yeah. He is off kilter. He does not know what to say or do or whatever. But there is a steak knife in front of him on the table. So she, he puts the steak knife down on the table and he's focused on Esther and Esther is keeping his attention on her and she's still coming on to him and keeping him off balance. And he's like, I want to own the beast. I want to own Mr. Tanner. I want to kill him in front of you. I want you to be afraid. And she's like, well, what if, what if I'm not? And he keeps going and threatening yeah. her and suddenly she feels something cold pressed into her hand and it is the mm. knife. And she, Ezra pushes her forward and she stabs Bersha right in the heart. Yeah. And then the spell that had been keeping them <laughs> secret from hiding them from everyone is broken. And she can hear all of the others calling for her. And she's like, we're in here. We're in here. And Ezra's like getting their attention. And she, he looks at her and his like blood in his mouth. And she pulls the knife out of his chest and stabs him in the throat. Yes. Yeah, she does. And then it's so good. He gathers all of his power and he disappears. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yes. Oh. And August is like, "What took you so fucking long?" He put <laughs> that knife down like twenty minutes ago, and this was like, <laughs> "I had one chance, and I didn't want him to see the knife because I would be in my hand, which he can't see. But a knife floating through the air is kind of obvious, right?" And Ezra is like, "Keep." her away from August. He is starving. And she's like, I don't care. He will feed from me. And she goes up to him and he drinks from her and saves his life by, mm-hmm. by, by drinking from her completely and knows exactly when to stop so that he won't kill her. And they're all like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. He knows me. I, he trusts me and I trust him. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Catherine Moon, how like the tension that she keeps because this is I I love romance obviously, right? right like right. but I do find myself sometimes where I'm like once the couple is sort of together, the tension is gone for me right. yes. and it can be sort of a slog to get through the back half yes. of the book. Right. Yeah. And this is just like yo-yoing uh-huh. the tension and like yep. and fucking and tension and fucking and it's masterful. It really mm-hmm. is. So they all yeah. go back and they realize, wait a minute, it's daylight. We cannot bring August out. It's, it's daylight. But He'll die. Bersha could come back at any moment. But, so we have like we have to leave regardless. Yes. We have to get to um Amon's house because that is safe. We can't stay here, but we can't bring August out because it's sunlight. And Amon says, I can help. And Amon uses his magic to extend the protection from the sun over August so August can walk out into the sun without danger. He's a daywalker now, Jenny. And there's a moment where he sees his own shadow and he's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. And I really liked this because she's like, oh my gosh. 
um, and I can't believe you did this. This is amazing. And he's like, I, honestly, I really don't thank me. I should have done it ages ago. And like, I knew I could do it and I didn't. And she's like, no, you're, you're wonderful. And she's hugging him. And it's, it's really, it's really sweet. Yeah. I would have been a little ticked that <laughs> this could happen and it didn't, yeah. but yeah. that's fine. Yep. It's fine. <laughs> And you did she's much more generous than I. And August says, this is, this is a gift. This is rebirth. You have, you have given me a rebirth into the world. Yeah. And um, Amon is oh, actually a little a embarrassed family. that he didn't get it done. Well, and, and now she's like, this is incredible because we don't have to be apart. Like this is, this is everything I've wanted yes. for the entirety of our relationship because I don't like going 12 hours with one of us being away from the other. Exactly. Mm. And Amon recognized oh. he, she is sad when he is gone, so he will make it so they are together. Yeah. Mm. But so wait, now they're more. like, we're not going to stay at Rook's grave, um, but we do need to figure out something. And a lot of the guys have like closed their London houses and had them protected so that Bersha can't get to them. Bersha's after all of them now because Bersha knows all of her men. She knows all, he knows all of the people who are with Esther. Mm -hmm. They are all vulnerable. And Amon mm. says, well, Bersha has no territory where I am from in the Middle East and we will go to Egypt to my home. <sighs> so they travel. And they're going. They won't. They go. They go to Egypt. They wait. they live there now. They live in Egypt, in a giant fuck palace. In a giant oh, fuck palace. Fuck palace in Egypt, outside of Cairo. <laughs> fantasy of fantasies. It is. It is isolated. No one knows where they are, and they just bone and hang out. And it is. They live in Star oh. Manor in Egypt. Yes. Oh wow. So they they bone and they hang out and then they also like do tiny archaeological excursions because they're trying to find out what what Bersha is. Right. And what his vulnerability who made him, is. Yeah. What's his deal? How do we kill him? Yeah, they're trying to figure out how to make Bersha vulnerable and then there's an epilogue. Yes. <gasps> in the epilogue there's one last thing that needs to be addressed. And at one point she had asked August does being a vampire ever get old? And she says, he says, no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't get old. Could I be one? And he said, ask me again in a year. And so mm -hmm. she finds him and she asks him. No, no. He says, do you remember what you asked yes. me? Do you remember what you asked me? And she's like, oh, yes. And he says, I think you would make a great vampire. Said? She said, well, I asked you, would I make a good vampire? And he says, yes, you would make an incredible one. And he's offering to turn her so that she would be immortal, too. And he's like, we've seen what what Amun can do. Like, you won't be yeah. sacrificing your days. And she's she's like, oh, my God, you're offering me like forever with my family. We'd have to figure out something for Ezra. And he's like, yeah, we definitely would have to do that. But we will. And so they're going to be a family forever, forever and ever and ever. My family, my home. <gasps> it's beautiful. Holy fuck balls. I know. And the sequel is out in uh -huh. May, at the end of May, and it takes place in the theater. Yeah, because when you said The Company of Fiends, I think, is the title of the next one. And I was like, are yep. we going back to the fuck theater? Yes. yes. <gasps> Two is fuck theater part deux. Incredible. Is, do we know anything about it? Like, is it 
these characters or do we get a different no, family? No, it doesn't sound like it. So Company of Fiends, number two, is out on May 25th. And it stars a woman who works on the stage. Her name is, her last name is Nix. Hazel Nix. She is perfect for the theater. It is perfect for her. And she is hiding a great secret from her monstrous peers. And after so many lovers, she is thinking of leaving the theater. Ah, yes, there's a disaster at the theater. Girls are missing. Bad luck plagues the stage. And between ex-lovers, bed partners, and new faces, her heart is tangled. And she has to make a choice, start fresh, or take a stand and fight for the family she's found in the strangest of places. <gasps> I am excited. Yeah. I'm going to read Catherine Moon's entire backlist in the meantime. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yep. Isn't this book just delightful? Wow. Yes. Oh, my God. Completely and utterly. Completely Thank and utterly. Thank you for bringing that to us, Sarah Wendell. Yeah. You're so welcome. Thank, Thank you for Thank having you. me. This <sighs> is tremendous fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and since part two... Part two is on smart bitches. So is that? Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. (laughs) It is absolutely my pleasure. There there are a few things I love doing more than recapping books that are completely off the chain with melodies that we could just exclaim at each other about them. (laughs) It's too hot in here, but I actually have my Stay Golden Horny Girl sweatshirt right behind me. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I love it. Yay. So thank All you right. so very, very much mm-hmm. for making me part of the bonkers uh, catalog. I'm very honored. And that brings us to the end of this rollicking two-part recap. Have you read this book? What did you think? Did you just listen to the recap and say, wow, I think I need to read this? I would love to hear from you and I'd love to hear what you think. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a message at one 201 You can also... Leave me a message with a bad joke because you know I love those and I have one coming up in a few minutes. Thank you again to Melody and Jenny for inviting me to be on Bonkers Romance and thank you to all of you from the Bonkers Romance community who visited with us today. It's lovely to have you here. And if you are curious about their show, head over to bonkersromance.com. As always, I end each episode with an absolutely terrible joke. And this week, I have a joke from Maggie's Door of Incredibly Bad Puns. Are you ready? What do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? Give up? What do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? You get frostbite. I feel like that needs to be part of the sequel, right? Like a vampire who can only come out when it's cold. (laughs) Somebody just got a really good idea for an erotica novel, and I am here for it. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.